Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to a new episode of the Cannon Fire Podcast. Back at you today for episode 110. I am your host, Rhett Mustache Matthew. Joined alongside me, as always, my good buddy and co-host, the Philly Bucks fan himself, Mr. Evan Wanish. Evan, how are you doing today, my man? I'm uh, doing pretty good. Really excited for uh, the guest we have on today. Me too. This is a guy that people know and love. He's been on the show several times, and it's incredible because as many times as we've had him on the show, we have never had him on the show with video. So if you're watching on YouTube, you can get a look at his gorgeous face. Mr. Trevor Sikama of the Draft Network is joining us today to go over a lot of the things people are concerned about in the upcoming NFL Draft, which is just a few weeks away. Trevor, how are you today? I'm doing great, guys. It is always good to talk football with you, and I'm glad to be back. Absolutely. First off, how is the Charlotte area treating you? Uh, it's good. Um, I've, I've told this story a couple times, but the day that I moved to Charlotte, the, like the first night that I, I went to sleep as a Charlotte resident, the next morning it snowed in Charlotte, which as someone <laughs> who has... He's from Florida, uh, lived in Florida his entire life. That was definitely, uh, okay, we're we're not in Florida anymore. But I can't complain other than that. It's been beautiful. Um, weather's been great. The movie's been great. Uh, you know, the, the quarantine because of the pandemic, not ideal for me, just like it's not ideal for everybody else. But uh, other than that, it's it's been a great move. That's awesome, man. And I'm sure you've been very, very busy this time of year. We appreciate you sitting down talking to us. What are you guys up to yeah, at the Draft course. Network? Anything big coming up before the draft? Uh, we, I mean, we got a lot of things planned. We're doing a full staff mock draft. We've got all of our staff members putting in our final mocks that we're going to be putting in mock draft competitions as well. There's an open mock draft competition over at the Draft Network, and if you get 22 out of the 32 picks right, it's kind of like a March Madness thing, you know, where if there's anybody who fills out a perfect bracket, they win a million dollars. Well, if you get 22 out of 32 picks right, you get 25 grand. So that's a wow. competition that we're running over at the Draft Network, is so anybody can sign up for that. Um, we're looking forward to see how people do uh, in that. But other than that, kind of just finishing up final evals, getting to talk to, to, to people like you guys when it comes to the draft. I'm just excited for draft weekend to roll around. Hell yeah, it is an incredible time of year, especially the circumstances this season because of just how weird the draft is going to be executed. I mean, Roger Goodell announcing picks from his basement is never, ever where I thought we would be in civilization yeah. come 2020 but here we are just wash your hands and stay safe but let's jump right into it the majority of this show is going to be draft talk but we do have some buccaneer rumors you are on twitter at tampa bay trace so we got to ask you about the bucks every now and again get your two cents of course there are a lot of rumors swirling around don't know if it's just that kind or uh, that time of the year but the tight end position in particular, there's a lot of moving parts rumor-wise for the Bucks right now. The first one I need to address 
Is Gronk to Tampa really a thing right now? Like, does this have any traction? Should people pay attention to this, or is this something people are just saying because it comes with the territory of having Brady play for the Bucks? Um, <laughs> I, I, it's weird enough that I can that I have to start this by saying never say never when it comes to two things. One, Rob Gronkowski, because he's nuts, and he could just <laughs> change his mind and probably do whatever he wants. And if Gronk wanted to come back and play football, uh, you, you know that the NFL would be all down for that. And two, I'm never going to underestimate the power of Tom Brady. Like, I'm really not. I'm, I'm not going to underestimate the power of Brady continually texting Gronk and just saying, like, hey, come back, hey, come back, we can win a championship in Tampa, all this kinds of stuff. And so is it likely? No. It's not likely. Gronk said he was done. He's doing stuff in the WWE now. I think he's the I think he's the WWE champion or something like that. He's he, got a belt. He won twenty four seven. Yeah, he won the twenty four seven title, which is like the modern age hardcore title where it's on the line at all times. Changing hands that times an episode. Amazing. Okay, so <laughs> so okay, so he's he's had a belt already during his time with the WWE and he seems to really be enjoying that. Gronk's doing a lot of different stuff since he's retirement since he's, re- he's retired. So it's hard for me to think that he would come back to football, especially because you got to understand this too. I think Gronk is still in shape, right? You still have to work out and be athletic to play in the W or to uh, participate in the WWE, but football shape is different. I mean, the the food you have to eat, the diet you have to be under, the the regiment that you have to have when it comes to training, it's different. Not not trying to undermine anybody who is, a, is is an athlete for the WWE at the highest level. I know those guys train and take everything very seriously, but it's different, especially when it comes to the NFL. So even if he wanted to come back, like Marshawn Lynch coming back as late as he did last year for Seattle, that just doesn't happen. And I think that everybody has this in their mind that he would just be able to come back because of stuff like Marshawn Lynch. I just don't think it's going to happen. I'll never say never with Gronk and Brady because I don't know what's going to happen, but... It would be uh it would be a long stretch for that to, for that to become true. What do you think, Evan? How are your thoughts on this? Yeah, so I'm going to say that this isn't going to happen either. Um, I do think that you know maybe Gronkowski would have some interest. Um, you know, playing in in Tampa. Tampa's a beautiful city. You know how the kind of guy he is. Sunset um, Music Festival every July. That's right up his alley. <laughs> um, so I mean, I think you definitely enjoy it, and I think mean, just like Trevor said, you know, Tom Brady could be texting him every day, you know, come back, come back, you know, Godwin Evans, you know, you play with these receivers, it could really open up for you. Um, so, but I just don't. I mean, the Patriots still technically have his rights, so even if he wanted to come back, they would have to give some type of compensation to uh, the Patriots, or unless the Patriots just want to do Gronk a solid and, and release him. But um, you know, I, I, it seems like he's happy and content with the WWE right now. Uh, he just hosted WrestleMania. He seems like you know he's in a good spot there. So I, yeah, I just don't see that happening. Yeah. yeah, and by the way, the Patriots are not about to do Tom Brady any kind of solace yeah. by yeah. just releasing Gronkowski. So that's another thing that even if Gronk wanted to come back, the Pats would be like, all right, three first-round picks or we're not releasing him. So <laughs> I don't think that that's going to happen. Yeah, yep. it really doesn't seem likely. Now, looking at the tight end position, there's more rumors there. And it's funny because these rumors in particular, I feel like they show up every few months and then they kind of go away and then they show up again and then they go away. I think maybe two or more times during the season we talked about it. But O.J. Howard is in trade rumors once again. I believe Mike Lombardi came out recently and said something about he would not be surprised if O.J. Howard 
is on the trade block. There's a lot of names floating around. OBJ is someone else that we heard today regarding Cleveland. Hard to find clarification on it. People are throwing things out there. But, Trevor, do you believe OJ Howard is in, I guess, uh, I don't know, is it possible he could be traded this offseason? I mean, yeah. I think the answer to that is is that he definitely could get traded. We've we've They've been open to trading him before. They just haven't gotten the price that they've been looking to get back for him. We know that there was a lot of active chatter at the deadline last year. And I think it all just stems to this. OJ didn't become what they thought that he was going to become. He got drafted with the number 19 overall pick, and they thought that he was going to be a future top five tight end for the next, shoot, five, six, seven years. That's just not what he is. I mean, OJ is a a hyper-athletic tight end who has an upside with blocking, but he has not been this dominant game plan kind of guy. Is there potential there? Yeah, sure there is. On a play-by-play basis, if you get matched, if you get him matched up against the wrong guy, sure, OJ can, can burn you, but consistency has not been his friend. I mean, whether it's been just with catching or route running or blocking, he just has not been as consistent of a player as they wanted him to be. And consistency is the beginning of becoming a dominant player. And if he can't even get that first part right, then he's not going to be this guy that they envisioned that they were drafting when they drafted him so high in, uh, in 2017. So I just think that this all stems from the fact that OJ never panned out to be the guy that Tampa thought that he was going to be. And with that in mind, he's always going to be on the trade block. Because if there is some team, I think the Bucks know what OJ Howard is, but more importantly, what he isn't at this point. Uh, and so with that being the case, if they ever find a team that'll say, hey, we'll give you a late first, especially a late first, but like Absolutely. even a priority, you know, even a priority second, maybe even third rounder for him. The Bucks might end up moving on from him depending on who might be on the board or what might come with it because I don't know if, you know, they've got to be thinking down the road too, right? OJ doesn't have that much more time left on his rookie deal. So if they don't move on from him, they're going to sit here and wonder if he's going to be worth being paid this much money because then if they let him hit free agency, there's going to be a team that will probably overpay him anyway. So then they might lose him for nothing. I think all this goes into it. Uh, and I think that the bottom line is just that he never turned into the tight end that they thought that he was going to turn into. And because of that, his name is probably always going to be on the trade block. Yeah. Now, I'm sure something else that goes into it, you kind of brought up the possibilities of what the Bucks could get with a trade for O.J. Howard. I mean, on a great day, yeah, late first, maybe a second, maybe a third. Um, but tying into the talks of trades, things that are going on this time of year, the Buccaneers have been confirmed to be one of the teams interested in possibly trading up into the draft. OJ might be attached to that if they can get a good trade, but I kind of wanted to transition into that part of the conversation as well. Um, you think the Bucs are really that interested in trading into the top 10? Yeah, I do, because I was talking with you guys before we hit the record button, but you know, I asked you, hey, if you were looking for somebody to be taken with the Bucks' first pick, who would it be? And you basically said any of the four offensive tackles, and... This draft is different from other drafts. Certainly with the lack of information gathering throughout the months of March and April, it's made it hard for teams to confirm exactly what they want. We know that these GMs can sometimes be a little hesitant when they don't have exactly all the information that they have wanted, whether it be through the pro days or just meeting these guys face-to-face and things like that. And so I think there are a lot of teams who have players high on their board who maybe wouldn't be willing to compensate. Like, for example, there's a couple of teams that I know of who – have one of the big four offensive tackles, which is Jedrick Wills, Mackay Becton, Tristan Wirfs, and uh, and Andrew Thomas. 
they have one of those guys high on their list and maybe aren't so sure about the other four. Even though we know the other or the other three, we know that the other three are good. They didn't get these guys in the building. They didn't look them eye to eye. They didn't get all the information on the background that they might have wanted. They didn't get to see him at a pro day. Maybe they didn't get numbers at all. And so all of that, I think, goes into it. And that brings up a really interesting um, reality that could happen with the draft is we see that there's a lot of teams that might need offensive linemen, right? I mean, let's, let, let's name them off right now, okay? New York Giants, Los Angeles Chargers, potentially the Panthers, but probably not. Arizona Cardinals, potentially the Jaguars, but probably not. And then you have the Cleveland Browns and the New York Jets. Those are That's just within the top 11 of teams that could want offensive tackles. Bucks don't pick till 14. That's a lot of risk to sit back and say, mm-hmm. yeah, here's our clear biggest need in a time where we have Tom Brady for two years, right? They have two years. So it is up to them to put the best roster together in that two-year period of time. It's hard for me to think that they would sit back at 14 and just go, yeah, we'll take whatever this draft gives us, knowing that they have the greatest quarterback of all time, probably the greatest quarterback option they've ever had, now on the team for a very limited amount of time in a very limited winning window. So with all of that in mind, I think you've got to believe Tampa's calling teams and looking to move up. They're not just looking to sit back and... As I was saying before, with teams uncertain of certain offensive linemen, we might see one or two go in the top, say, six, maybe eight. And then all of a sudden, you know, pick nine or ten might become available and the Bucks might be able to pop up there and get the third one, a guy that they really like or just not want to run the risk of all four being off the board. And so all of that is kind of a long-winded answer to answer your question. Yes, I do think that they're thinking about moving up. What do you think, Evan? Yeah, well, uh, Jason Light, you know, his history would say that it's it's not likely to move right. up in the first round because you know he's notoriously known for you know making those moves on day two, really, uh, especially in, in the late third round. Um, I believe he moved up for Kendall Beckwith, moved up for Alex Kappa, mm-hmm. um, but you know, also never had a scenario like this. Jameis Winston's pretty much always been his quarterback. Now your quarterback's Tom Brady, and like you said, you have a very limited window, you know. And and pressure's on Jason right now. If if you know if this team goes six and ten, seven and nine, he's likely not the general manager anymore. Um, so I definitely think there's there's added pressure there, and I do believe that they have interest in in trading up. And I I, I don't know what the what the price would be. I think it all depends on how you know how extreme you want to trade up, but. Um, I, I do think they're they're eyeing, just, just they just want one of those tackles. I, I don't really, I, obviously they have a board, but I think you know if they come out of the first round after day one with one of those tackles, I think they're extremely happy. Let's say for the sake of argument, the Buccaneers want to move up to that number nine spot. It's been settled; their sights are right there within the top ten. They feel like they can secure one of those big offensive tackles. What do you think the price tag would be, Trevor, for them to move up into the top ten, number nine in particular? What do you think they would have to give up? I don't really think it would have to be something too detrimental because here's the thing too, like they can't lose 45. Like they can't lose their second round pick. They can't do that. They need that pick. And so, but you know, if it's number nine, you're only talking about, was that six spots, five spots, bad at math. Um, (laughs) I think it would probably only take them their first at 14, their third. And then maybe you say like, we'll throw in a third next year. Or if even if, if they're super stingy about it and you've got the 
O-lineman you want to take at nine. You maybe throw in a second next year and make it a fourth this year or something and just compensate in that way. But I think a first and two-thirds or a first and, and next year's second and this year's fourth honestly could get it done. It's not that far to move. And if you get the offensive lineman that you want in the first round and you still get the running back you want in the second round, that's a win. I don't care what the rest of the draft mm-hmm. is. That's that's a win to the Bucks. Yeah. Now, I'm sure this is something a lot of people are curious about. We talked about the Bucks, their possibility of trading up, but they're not the only team that is looking to trade up in the draft this year. One team in particular, the Falcons, kind of being tied to a certain player, and that's Javon Kinlaw. They're looking to move out of that uh, spot at number 16 into the top 10. What are some other teams who are looking to trade up? Um, you know, just for people who are curious. I feel like, you know, Atlanta was the big one. I mean, like Atlanta sitting at 16, Dan Quinn and Thomas Dimitrov, they're, they got to get aggressive. They have to get an impact player because if not, if they don't win more football games this year, they're gone. Uh, mm-hmm. There's just, there's just no way around it. And so Atlanta yeah. was the big one. Even after this news kind of came out, you figure that they were really looking up. Philly could be a team, you know, depending on what wide receiver or maybe what cornerback are, are kind of trending down the board. If there's a guy that they really want, it wouldn't be surprised to see them pop up because they've got the Las Vegas Raiders and the Jacksonville Jaguars right in front of them at 19 and 20 and those two teams have some similar needs to what Philly does and they don't want to be sitting here third in the totem pole picking the same kind of need because then all of a sudden the positions run dry and so I think there's a chance for them to maybe move up I don't really know what Miami's looking to do all I know is they have a ton of picks so that i mean they can move up from 26 they can move up from 18 the indianapolis colts i think are a team that's also poised to move up they don't pick until the second round right now but they pick 34 so that's that second pick in the second round they also have 44 at the top of the second round which gives them some powerful pieces to potentially hop back up into the end of the first round and get somebody but um Minnesota could be another one now that they have two first round picks anything you know anything's on the table you have a lot of flexibility as well because they have 22 and 25 after the Stefan Diggs trade but those are probably the the couple that come to mind as as teams that might trade up could you possibly see like a a team like the the Chargers sitting there at six maybe once a quarterback and try to get in front of Miami there we know I think Detroit's open for business at three yeah Detroit's definitely open for business at three and it depends, right? I mean, this is the big debate of the 2020 NFL draft is who's going to be QB2? Is it going to be Tua or is it going to be Justin Herbert? And where are they taken? Because you got to remember this too. There's got to be a market in order to have the right trade-up. The Detroit Lions aren't just going to move from three for free. And what Detroit really wants is they both want say Los Angeles and Miami to want the same quarterback because then you have a bidding war because if that's not the case and if both of those teams know that's not the case they don't care right I mean like they, they don't they don't have to move say say Miami wants two and is going to take two at five and the Chargers are fine with Justin Herbert if let's in reality where both of them are wanting quarterbacks they don't have to move they're different guys they don't care and so that part of it matters too. Do both of these teams want the same quarterback? And I don't know if they do at this point because we've heard a lot of a lot of talk about Justin Herbert is kind of high with some other teams. Now, is it more than Tua? Some teams are worried about his injury. Which teams are the ones that are worried about the injury? I'm not too sure. Is there a reality that could exist where the Chargers pop up to number three? Yeah, I think so. But 
it only exists there if <laughs> it's either the reality or if Detroit can fool the Chargers into thinking that if they don't move to three, they're not going to get the guy that they want. And I think that's a part of it that goes into the mind game of what is the NFL draft, too. So it makes it fun. Yeah, right. No <laughs> doubt about it. <laughs> it's like the Wild West out there, man. Totally. So another question about the Picket 14 in particular. This is more of a scenario and uh, I think it makes for some really good conversation. Evan had sent me this question, and it took me a little while to think about it, but I made my decision. Let me ask you. So you're a GM. Both are available at pick number 14. Would you rather draft Andrew Thomas or Javon Kinlaw? Let's say, for the sake of argument, that you are the Bucks picking at 14, obviously, so you're a team in need of help on, I would say, both sides of the trenches there. Are you taking Andrew Thomas or are you going Kinlaw? Oh, this is a good question. Um, because Kinlaw is the better player. Javon Kinlaw is the better player. I don't think that there's there's a lot of debate in my mind, even though I like Andrew Thomas. I think Andrew Thomas is very good. For the Bucks specifically, normally I'm very much a person who says, don't force yourself to take a guy of need. Allow yourself to take the best player available. But the Bucks didn't really do that. Because they didn't re-sign DeMar Dotson. I know they've got a couple of guys that they brought up in free agency. But if I'm the Bucks at 14, I'm probably picking Andrew Thomas. Because I don't think the gap is that wide between production. I think that they're both really good players. I would say that Kinlaw is going to be higher on my overall board. I think both would be really great picks for the Bucks, But in terms of them in general and what would help them the most, especially, like I said there, within this two- to three-year winning window, I'm taking Andrew Thomas. Uh, even though this situation would be different for different teams, but for the Bucks, I'd be taking Andrew Thomas at 14. What do you got, Evan? Yeah, so since this is such a, a two-year window, um, I'm going to go with Thomas as well. I just think that you know protecting the quarterback right now, you know, as the team stands, is more important. Uh, you still have Vita Vea, you have Sue, um, you know, in the interior. I know Sue only signed for another one-year deal, but you know, you could always draft an interior guy next year. Um, and I'm a huge Kinlaw fan, so it really hurts to, to say that. Right. But, you know, I think Thomas is probably the, the smarter pick, and that's probably what I'd, I'd go with. And yeah. Thomas's floor is so high, too. Like, I really mm -hmm. do think that Thomas... It's an interesting situation since he played mostly left tackle. and Could he Bucks, play right tackle? Yeah, I mean, every offensive lineman could probably play left or right. But it's a learning curve that differs for every guy and you just don't know how long it's going to take them to pick it up. Like I do think, yeah, these guys are talented. It's different because you're, you're balancing different feet and you're shuffling things around and you're really kind of just flipping your body. But I do think that he could learn how to play it. Cause I think he's smart. I think he's technical. I think he's good. He's got long arms too. So I think that for the bucks, Thomas still makes sense, even though you got to flip them from left to right. Now, let's say you had kind of talked about uh, how long it takes these guys to pick up on that change of position for a guy like Thomas, predominantly plays left tackle. Let's say training camp rolls around. He's not looking great at right tackle. Does that open up a possibility to move a guy like Donovan Smith over to the right side and let just Thomas play his natural position on the left side of the line? Because I think either way, I would be shocked if Joe Haig is our starting right tackle come week right. one. So is that a situation that you think could present itself? Or really at this point, is it just... Time will tell. Uh, a lot more goes into that than I think people realize. Like, 
Donovan Smith doesn't want to play right tackle. Yep. You know why? Because right tackles don't get paid as much money. So if he flips over to right tackle, he realizes he's the next contract that he has, that he signs, is not going to be for him to play left tackle. And so all of that goes into it, man. There's, there's, there's a lot more to especially switching a right to a left tackle uh, than just like telling a guy like, oh, you're going to play right tackle now. Like, could they do that? Could they say like, yeah, you're going to play right tackle? Sure, but these are pros. These are grown ass men. Like, they, like it's it's not it's not what we think about like in high school football where you just tell a guy that he's switching to the other side of the line. Right. There's there's a lot more that goes into this, and I know for a fact that Donovan Smith doesn't want to play right tackle. Like, he has no desire to play right tackle. He's not going to make that an easy transition if they have to go that direction. So it's an interesting little detail, especially when you talk about the Bucks potentially drafting Andrew Thomas. But also, if Donovan Smith, if they want to replace him, then they already have the one-on-one with Andrew Thomas there anyway. So Fair. It's, there's a lot of stuff that goes into it, but I'll just say it's not nearly as easy as just telling a guy to move spots. I got you. Fair enough. So let's get on to our next topic. It still has to do with Buccaneers draft picks. Who well, thought? Trevor, who, I'm, I'm sorry, not Trevor. Uh, Rhett, who did you who did you have the, the Bucks take? I, Andrew I Thomas never or answered that. I'm so sorry. I <laughs> I went Thomas. Um, I okay. went Thomas. I kind of the whole training camp thing. Moving Donovan Smith was supposed to be a follow up to me saying that I would take Thomas over Kinlaw, but um, I mean it's just it's a logical situation you guys had brought it up where you only have Brady for this amount of time and right now I think a lot of people can argue that we need more help at right tackle in particular than anywhere on the defensive line especially since they were able to secure that front seven re-sign everybody so I'm taking Thomas so all three of us are taking Andrew Thomas in that situation and I kind of like that and also one more note on Donovan Smith is that his contract um, is not guaranteed next year. So they can sort of get out of it if they want, move uh, Thomas over to left tackle next year. So you basically just have a year at right tackle. Right. Um, and then, you know, find a long-term solution at right tackle. So, you know, Makes that's sense. a possibility. Yeah. I can yeah. dig it, man. So let's get into the Buccaneers' second-round pick. This is their pick at 45. Trevor, I'll just ask you bluntly, what are some of the best options the Bucks have in the second round? Um, well, if we go down by position here, we can go and see running back, running back, <laughs> running back, <laughs> running back, and running back. Uh, there's a lot of other options that I guess that could be on the table, but given how I think this class is going to shape up and how I think the draft is going to fall, they're going to have one of Jonathan Taylor, J.K. Dobbins, Cam Akers, Clyde Ebersolaire, DeAndre Swift. Probably at least two of those running backs yep. will be on the board at 45. And all of them, all five of them, would be great picks for the Buccaneers. Now, Jonathan Taylor and J.K. Dobbins, they're more feature backs, right? They're more of the RB1 types, the guys that you give 20, 25 touches a game to. They impact the game in a lot of different ways. Not saying that they'd be bad for the Bucs at all whatsoever. They'd be great picks, even with Ronald Jones already there. You'd have two good running backs. There's never That's never a problem in that regard. But... For the Bucks, and I think those two will probably be gone by 45, but that's not a problem for Tampa because DeAndre Swift and Clyde Edwards-Elaire, those two guys are perfect complement players to what they already have in Ronald Jones. And if they really do believe in Ronald Jones, and here's the thing with this. The team seems to have a lot of outward confidence in Ronald Jones, and that's good. That means that at least they're not thinking that he's terrible and can't handle uh, a carry load or an increase in importance. But... You cannot afford 
to let faith, whether it be blind or maybe a little bit of blissful ignorance or whatever, get in the way of you forming the best team you can possibly form over the next two years. You can't do that. Whether it's a guy that you drafted or a guy that you brought in a free agency or a guy that you traded for, it doesn't matter. You cannot just put a lot of faith in a player that maybe doesn't deserve it. I'm not saying that Ronald Jones totally doesn't deserve faith, but Ronald Jones also has not become the running back that they've wanted him to become yet. It's like similar to an O.J. Howard thing. Now, the first year was tough for him. I understand that. It was it was just more of a learning curve for him. And I honestly think that this third year could be a big year for Ronald Jones. But don't put all your chips in one basket if you don't have to. They can still believe in Ronald Jones a lot, and he, they could still reap the rewards of believing in him for a lot. And you could still draft Clyde Edwards-Alaire. You could still draft mm. DeAndre Swift. You can still do those things and have your cake and eat it too with a guy that you drafted in the second round two years ago. So that's why I. it's just so hard for me to think they would go anywhere else other than running back because it's going to mean so much to them. Even if Tom Brady is exactly what they want from them or from the signing in the passing game, they still have to have the running back to, to salt down games, to control the clock, to control tempo, to do things like that. I think Ronald Jones is a good running back. I don't know how much of a controlled running back he is, whereas Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, I think, could be a controlled running back. DeAndre Swift, I think, could be a controlled running back. Even Cam Akers, I think, could be a controlled running back. You know, like these are players who, if you put them in a running back room with Ronald Jones, now you're talking. Now you're talking about, okay, the odds are high that at least one of those two dudes are guys that you can lean on down the stretch no matter when you need it. So that's why it's, it's unless somebody really great falls, maybe as an interior defensive lineman, or if you had to go a different direction in the offensive line or a top tier wide receiver or something like that, it's so hard for me to think that we're running backs, not the target at 45. Now, I had a lot of fun on the mock draft machine this year, as we do every year. That really is awesome what you guys do over there at the Draft Network. That's, oh my god, that's so fun, dude. But, um, <laughs> as time goes by, a lot of things that you see happen can change. A lot of guys' rankings go up. Their you know draft status can just put them a little bit higher than they were, let's say, before the combine. Just There's so many factors that go into it. So to follow up with what you just said about the Buccaneers' second-round selection, there is no chance that we're going to see any of those running backs in the third round? Because I remember months ago when I first started doing mock drafts, really you, would see, you would see an occasional Cam Akers fall to the third round, maybe if you were really lucky in Edwards Hilaire. But the way things stand right now, you, don't, you think it's a fat chance any of those guys fall to the third? It's kind of the same situation with the offensive tackles in the first round, right? I mean, maybe one of them, but the only one who I could possibly see lasting to the third round where the Bucks pick is, is Cam Akers, and I don't think that it's going to happen. So there's a small chance it's Akers, but none of the other running backs are going to make it to that point. I really, really doubt it. So no, I would say that that's, that's probably not going to happen. Okay. So Trevor, if you had your pick uh, at 45 of DeAndre Swift or Clyde Edwards there, who are you going with? I'm picking Edwards Hilaire. I know yeah. that that's yeah, a, that's, a, that's everybody's kind of on the train of Edwards Hilaire, and it's the common one. But man, I've I've been on Edwards Hilaire for a while now, and even during the season when LSU was doing their thing, Joe Burrow was getting a lot of the headlines. Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson were 
uh, obviously doing some incredible things on the on the end of his passes, but it was Edwards Hilaire who kept that thing going. I, he was such an X factor for them, whether it was in the past game as a pass catcher and a pass blocker, very willing pass blocker, or when it just came to, hey, they needed a couple of yards, they needed to keep drives going, they needed to establish play action. Edwards Hilaire was there for him, and I think that he's really smart. He's got good vision. He's got a great uh, center of gravity. He deals with contact really well. I think it's a total package. I really do. And I hate to say this because Bucks fans are so pegged into them getting Clyde Edwards Alaire that they're going to hate me for saying this, but <laughs> there's no guarantee that he's there at 45. You know, the Bucks aren't the only team that notices how good Clyde Edwards Alaire is. Every other team does too. And I think that there's a chance that some other teams might really, really want him and maybe pop up in front of Tampa at 45 or maybe even just select him above where they pick there. But there's. No guarantee that he's there at 45, but his, if he is, I think he's the perfect pick for him. So, I mean, and we all know a big thing with Tom Brady running backs, right? Got to catch the football. Mm-hmm. Edward Tolaire has done that plenty at LSU, as mm-hmm. has DeAndre Swift. Um, yes. So, you know, if, if Edward Tolaire goes, you know, you're, you're sitting there. I mean, I think you're almost, I mean, you're in a pretty good spot to get one of the top four guys, per se, right? Where Swift, Taylor, Dobbins or Hilaire, I would assume so, right? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I, I, there's uh, even if it might sting to stay at 45 and not trade up and maybe get a guy like Clyde Edwards Hilaire who you would love, you're almost guaranteed to have two of those top five guys on the board at 45 no matter what. There's just not enough picks and running backs that could go in front of them at that point. So, yeah, I think that that's what the situation is that they're looking at. Now, kind of shifting the tone here, still to do with Bucks draft picks, obviously. You think there's a possibility the Buccaneers take a quarterback in one of the first three rounds, or if they take a quarterback, is that something we'll see in the second half? I don't think they would take a quarterback before day three. I really don't, because that, that goes back to the point that we've been talking about all podcasts. You've got two years to field the best team you can. I mean, you are, I'm all for building for the future, but you're going for broke. Yeah. You really, you have Tom Brady for two years maybe he'll sign on for an extra third depending on how close they get to a Super Bowl trophy and he might want to give it another go if they have a 1-1 but you're looking at a two-year window to form the best team that you possibly can a lot of plug and play guys that's yeah that's kind of where they're looking I got you that definitely makes sense um now let's just look at some quarterback prospects while we're on the topic some later round guys the Bucks may be interested I know a name floating around is James Morgan uh what are some other quarterbacks you think would be good for the Bucks to pick up in the later rounds of the draft Cole McDonald. Yes. Um, <laughs> I love Cole McDonald, man. He's He is such a fun prospect to watch. He ran a run-and-shoot offense out in Hawaii. He's got a massive arm. He it is, it is erratic at this point. He needs a lot of work. But when I look at a pro- prospect like Cole McDonald, what makes him so fun and what make, which makes my mind go about him potentially making the jump to the NFL and having a starting career is – Maybe working with a guy like Bruce Arians, right? Maybe working behind a guy like Tom Brady. And I think that that could be a lot of fun, depending on where Anthony Gordon goes from Washington State. I think he could be fun as well. James Morgan, I think he's got a nice arm. He would have been a guy that I mentioned. Tyler Huntley is a – man, I think that people were sleeping on Tyler Huntley a little bit. He had a pretty good year at Utah. And I was actually at the Utah-Washington game where it was uh, Huntley versus Eason. Huntley was the better QB that day. 
I don't know what to tell you. I, I watched those guys, and and Huntley outplayed Jacob Eason, no doubt about it. And he's not going to get to get drafted as high. We know that. But in terms of some late day three guys that I think this team could have some fun with sitting behind Brady and working with Bruce Arians, those are a couple of names that are uh, on my radar. Heck yeah. What's on your mind, Evan? What you want to talk about? So um, with the, the Cole McDonald thing, I, I love that guy too. Um, you know, it's a shame that he uh, cut off the hair. But, I know, uh, man. He had it, the blonde dreadlocks going on. <laughs> uh, perfect. Um, so, do you think he would be more like a, a fifth round guy, sixth round guy? Because I've seen a lot of different things. Some, I mean, early in this process, they were thinking about you know seventh round, maybe undrafted, and now you're starting to see his stock. A lot of people are talking about him a little bit more. So, um, where do you see his, his range? I still think that he's probably going to be a mid to late round guy. You know, anywhere from the fifth to the seventh. You just don't know how teams are going to evaluate him because. Look, he's got the big arm, and he had a lot of stats over the last two years, but he flat out got benched this year. You know, like, that's what we're talking about. He gives you a high ceiling, but the lows are low. And so I don't really think sounds that like he's going to get Winston. drafted. Yeah, sounds yeah, like somebody kinda. we know all too well. <laughs> he is, and that was that's a lot of what you're looking for. The only difference is Jameis went number one overall. Cole McDonald's probably going to go, like, 214th or something. But, um, I, you know, that's... What we're looking at in this situation with Cole McDonald, he's a really fun prospect, but he's completely a project. So he's a guy I'd love to get in the building. I'd love to see what those two guys could do with him. But I still think he's anywhere from a fifth to a seventh. I don't think he's going above that. Now, the last topic we've got for you is another quarterback in the draft. This isn't exactly Bucks related, but it's something a lot of people are talking about, and that has to do with Tua. What's going on with him right now? I mean, you've heard so many conflicting reports um, about how he, you know, failed one or more physicals. How it, it, a lot of people are saying he's going to be healthy for training camp once that comes around. Like, there's a lot of conflicting reports coming out. What's going on with him? And do you really think he could be one of the guys we see fall? It's all over the place, right? And I think there is truth to all the rumors about it. Depending on what team you ask. There are teams that won't have him on the board. There will teams that have, will have him much lower than others. There are teams that won't touch him in the top 10 or the top, top 15. But on the other hand, there are teams that are going to take a chance on him. He's a guy that you bet on. His, his, what, what he was when he was out on that field, he was a damn good quarterback. He was absolutely mm-hmm. a starting quarterback in the NFL, a guy who could get it done. It just depends where you're drafting him because a lot of GMs know that their job and their reputation – is built around the quarterbacks that they draft. And when you draft a quarterback in the top t- top 10, that guy is often your legacy. That pick is often your legacy. Do you want to risk your legacy on a guy who might be hurt, who might not even play for you, who might not even have the availability? And I don't even think it's right now that bothers teams so much about Tua. Like, him being ready for training camp, I don't really think that that's too far-fetched. I think he could be ready for training camp. But it's what happens after He's got two ankle surgeries, one on each ankle, right? I mean, like, he's missed time during games. He's been knocked out of games before. He's had quad injuries. He's had other ankle injuries. He has this hip injury, which is, I honestly, I think, the least credible of anything. I mean, this is something that there was kind of a freak injury with him, but he just seems to be beat up all the time. Do you want a guy who's been that beat up in college going in the NFL and you're investing a top 10, top, or top five, top 10 pick on him? That's where I think the discord is. And so... Maybe Tua doesn't get picked in the top 10. Maybe it's in the teens. I don't see him getting past, like, the 20s. Like, he's not going to make it to the end of the first round. That's not going to happen. But could he get picked somewhere between 10 and 15? Yeah, I could see it. 
follow-up question, and I know kind of the tone of the show, what we've talked about with the Bucks <laughs> situation, should make this an easy answer for you. But if two is there at 14, do you take a chance? Uh, n- Thinking no. about it. No, no, yeah, that no, was a you, lot of conflict, right? There. I mean, it's, it's it's very interesting, but you're right. The theme of the whole show, and and it, it's true, you're building the best roster you can for the next two years, and you can't you can't use number fourteen this year on a pick that's not going to play for you over the next two years, and you hope over the next five, six, seven, or whatever it is. Um, it would be interesting because certainly that would give Tua ample time to heal, be as as healthy as he possibly could be, but. If you were in a situation like the Chargers are in, or maybe even the Colts are in, where you clearly have a one-year starter and then you are doing something different next year, that makes sense for Tua. This doesn't because let's say Tom Brady wants to play a third year even. You're then, Tua is going into his first year as a starter in Tampa Bay on the fourth year of his rookie deal. At that point, you just wasted too much time. You are then playing a guy for the first time and then having to decide if he's worth a fifth-year option and then after that deciding if he's worth a starting quarterback contract. That then becomes actually uh, worse for you than it would a positive if you're saying like, oh, we'll stash the guy from the future after Brady. The timeline that they're currently on right now would actually make it worse for them, not a positive. Yeah, I definitely agree. It's it's an exciting thought. um, I think, you know, just like you said, his potential, I think, is I think he could be a star in the NFL. Mm-hmm. I think he has he has all the tools that you want. I think it's clear cut. You know, I think if, if he doesn't get injured, we're talking about you know QB one A and QB one B with Joe Burrow and Tua. Um, but unfortunately, you know those injuries have really you know hampered him. So one last question I, I had for you, really fast. So you know. Justin Herbert seems to be the safer pick than Tua, obviously. You know, he's a, uh, I believe, you know, he started last year, didn't come out, started this year, played well again, uh, and obviously doesn't have as much injury history. So if, if you're if you're general manager right now, you know, are you taking the, the risk with, with Tua, or does it really all depend on the structure of your team? Because Herbert, I think both could probably sit and, and not really, you know, especially Tua, but both could probably sit and, you know, not really hurt them, and a team like Miami with you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick there possibly starting. You know, what are your thoughts on you know Herbert versus Tua? I'm um, I'm still on the Tua train as my QB two, and uh, that would be for almost every single situation that I could think of. And I think that even Miami, I think it's a perfect situation, right? You draft him at five, you play Fitzpatrick this year. Fitzpatrick hangs him up because. Everybody knows that having Fitzpatrick as a backup quarterback is a nightmare because eventually he's going to start because something's going to happen to your starting quarterback, whether it's injury or bad play. So here's what you do, man. You let you draft Tua. This is honestly what I would do if I was Miami. I draft Tua at five. I draft a heck of a draft class behind him. I play Ryan Fitzpatrick this year. Probably not going to win that many games, right? I mean, you're probably still picking in the top ten the year after this. You would just let Tua rest the entire year, have another great draft class next year because they have extra first-round picks next year too, and then all of a sudden you've got Tua as healthy as possibly can be, coming in, doesn't have to start right away as a rookie. He's had the playbook for a year. He's been in the system for a year. He's adjusted to pro-life himself. Then you start him in 2021. That's what I would do, and I would then have two solid draft classes around him, and I'd build it through that way. That's what I would pick if I was Miami and if I was basically every other team, that's the situation that I'm doing. I'm picking two. I'm letting him rest as long as he needs to, and I'm letting him thrive. That almost makes me excited for Miami. Like, that's just yeah. <laughs> the yeah, way that, that it plays great. out. 
Oh, man. Trevor, thank you so much for joining us on the show today, man. We really appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to talk to us about the draft, the Buccaneer rumors, and, of course, anything and everything else under the sun football-related. I really hope the rest of this quarantine treats you well. And where can the people find more of your content? Yeah, of course, guys. Yeah, first of all, it's it's always good being with you guys, talking Bucks football and everything else. But as these guys are saying during the show, thedraftnetwork.com, we've got a lot of fun stuff going on around there. We've got our final mock drafts coming up, which are the predictive mocks, right? It's not just what we think or what we would pick. We're going to tell you what we believe is going to happen on draft night. So those are coming up next week. There's still time to do all kinds of mock draft machine stuff and try to make the perfect class and see what your your team can come up with and uh, all the other written content that I'm doing over at thedraftnetwork.com and then, of course, on Twitter. I'm still at Tampa Bay Trey, so still at that same Twitter handle if you guys don't follow me there. So for a lot of the people heckling you, you told us before the show, but I guess we should make it public knowledge, you cannot change your name from right. Tampa Bay Trey. That's the situation, right? Right. So the way that Twitter works is if I change my Twitter handle, then I lose my blue check. I lose my verified thing. And so until I know that I have somebody on my side from Twitter who can re-verify me when I change my Twitter handle, it's going to stay the same. And it's just going to be like, all right, now I'm Tampa Bay Trey because this is where my roots are. So I'm just going to rock it like that instead. Hey, man, you, you always got to rep the 813 wherever you go. It's a city that made a lot of people, and uh, I love Tampa so much. I'm sure you do as well. But thank Same. you again for coming on to the show. It is always a pleasure having you, folks. Make sure you follow him and check out the Draft Network. They're doing tons of great things. They talked about the contest earlier about the $25,000 grand prize. Might want to get into that, folks. That's just about all we've got for this episode of the Cannon Fire Podcast. Thank you so much for listening or watching with video on YouTube. You can follow the show on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All of those are Cannon Fire Podcast. You can follow myself on Instagram and Twitter at Redicus. If you follow me, I'll follow you back. And you can follow my co-host Evan on Twitter at EvanNFL and Instagram at BucksWave, the number one Buccaneers fan Instagram page. How's that going, by the way, Evan? Going pretty good. Like I said, the, the news with Brady really skyrocketed and everything. So um, up to close to 23,500. 23, so. The goal is 25,000 followers before the season starts. And over yep. on the IG page for CFP, we are close to 2,000 followers. So make sure you follow us there. I need to give a quick shout out to our sponsors at Pinecrest Printing and Signs. The world is a crazy place right now. Everything is on halt. Pinecrest Printing is still open. It's the perfect time to pick up the phone and call. If you are a small business owner, if you run a podcast, if you have a brand you are looking to grow and you've got all of this time on your hands, they are still open Monday through Friday. Give them a call, 813-684-5444, and they're going to make sure you get top quality branding. They help with logo design, apparel, stickers, banners, big metal signs. They do full vehicle wraps, anything and everything to help you expand your business in the most professional way possible. RJ and his experienced staff over there are going to get it done for you. So make sure you call them. Once again, the number is 813-684-5444. Or you can check out the website at pinecrestprinting.com. I am Rhett Matthews signing off for my co-host Evan Wanish and special guest Trevor Sykema. And we will talk to you guys next time. Thanks for listening. Go Bucks. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.